You are Locked On Cougars. This is your daily podcast. Focus on the BYU Cougars. A lot to get to on a Wednesday hump day edition of the show. Thanks for joining us. Need to talk some BYU football, some rumors, some speculation. Had a great conversation with a source yesterday. We'll talk about that when it comes to coaching changes potentially at BYU. We'll cover that here in the first part of the show. Also talk some BYU basketball. The Cougars getting ready for their showdown with St. Mary's tomorrow night there in Moraga trying to snap a, what, five, six-year streak of losing games there to St. Mary's. We'll talk about that. you also hear from some of the coaches and players on that. And, of course, we'll go back way back Wednesday. Cool story about Ty Detmer and the number one upset of Miami back in 1990. We'll let you hear from him and talk about a kind of a funny moment in his BYU career. We are proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which is America's number one daily podcast network. With that rundown out of the way, let's get started. This is Locked On Cougars for January 8th, 2020. What's up, guys? This is Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network, and thanks again for joining us on your daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. We aim to be your one-stop shop for all the news, notes, and insider information on the BYU Cougars that you cannot find anywhere else. Please subscribe, download the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to give us a good rating and review as well. It really does help get the word out about the podcast continue to build our already expansive audience. Let's start off and talk some BYU football today, shall we? I know that's kind of still a big topic, even though the season is over and BYU is beginning uh, off-season workouts, etc. But BYU football, this time of year, and I've had multiple people on social media and otherwise ask me, hey, what's BYU doing on the coaching staff? Are they going to make changes? What's what's happening there? Is Kalani going to take over the defense? A lot of questions with regards to BYU and the coaching staff. I had a very enlightening conversation with a source yesterday, and a lot of you have reached out in recent days asking what I know and what uh, might be happening at BYU. And the conversation I had yesterday kind of confirmed some of my suspicions based on the information I had heard previously and how things have either played out or haven't played out with regards to the BYU coaching staff. I can tell you guys this much. I was told right near the end of the season, in the final few weeks of the season, that maybe two staff changes were coming in terms of new coaches coming onto the staff with departures of two members of the coaching staff. The longer this drags on right now without any official word or reports from people who would be in the know, and I'm not reporting anything right now, that people are leaving, the more likely it is that the staff remains intact going into the 2020 season. Next week is the AFCA Coaches Convention where coaches from all over the country convene to talk about new strategies and it becomes a big old job fair in in many ways. Coaches are holding informal interviews, talks with other assistant coaches, kind of gauging their interest and maybe changing jobs, etc. That'll be the best opportunity, I feel like, for a change to come at BYU if one of their coaches who goes to this convention hooks up with with another member of another staff, talks to them and ultimately decides, hey, this might be a right fit for me and moves on. But like I said, it's not looking likely that BYU is going to make significant changes to the BYU coaching staff, at least visibly. Going back to the conversation I had yesterday with a source, and this is a source who has fed me information for years now, so I trust him implicitly. 
said that more likely as it stands right now that there will be changes with regards to responsibilities within the coaching staff at BYU in the football program. Whether that means there'll be formal changes where titles are reassigned, let's say Aaron Roderick, offensive coordinator, Elisa Tuiaki, taking the DC tag, the defensive coordinator tag taken off him, stuff like that, I don't know and our source didn't know with regards to that, if that was going to take place formally or formally or informally. I can tell you this much. Responsibilities throughout this past season for BYU shuffled wildly during the season. Kalani Satake was not satisfied with how his team was performing, especially after the back-to-back losses against Toledo and South Florida. And there were multiple... Um, I guess shifts in terms of your focus as an assistant coach under him during the season, whether those remain permanent. uh, And I'm, I'm not going to kind of just blather on here and say, well, I think this person's doing this and that person's doing that. Cause I don't know for sure who is doing what, but I do know responsibilities were changed around during the middle part of the season because Kalani Satake was not satisfied with how things went. Then BYU goes on a four game win streak and they went into that San Diego state game with a chance to make it eight wins in the regular season. And Everything was looking up, and at that point, I was hearing from people that, yeah, there still could be staff changes, guys deciding to move on, find their next landing spot, but it wouldn't be because of poor performance. Then the back-to-back losses at San Diego State and Hawaii happened, and that's put a damper on what appeared to be maybe a, a little bit of a breakout season for Kalani Satake with back-to-back losses to close out the year. So... The longer we wait without formal news or formal reports or sources said, etc., saying that BYU coaches are going to be on the move, the less likely it is you're going to see coaching changes amongst the 10 coaches on the BYU staff. In talking with our source yesterday, the biggest change, if the staff doesn't change visibly in terms of new bodies, etc., will be in the off-the-field roles. Uh, could see some more strength and conditioning coaches hired on at BYU. They're trying to get more resources poured into the BYU football program, which I applaud Tom Homo and the rest of the BYU Athletic Department for being con- willing to do. I'm just not convinced they're going to pour in as much as they keep promising they're going to pour in. Does that make sense? I know that there have been some discontent, not just within the BYU football program, but also within other programs within the BYU athletic department, that the lack of resources versus what is being promised or what is being said to you is going to be poured into your program don't match up. That doesn't mean you're not getting extra resources because all the programs have seen an uptick in terms of money, particularly the BYU football program, but versus what's being said is going to be poured in versus what actually shows up in the coffers, hopefully that makes sense, is a different number. And the hope is that BYU continues to pour more and more money into the football program, especially if you look at the Equity and Athletics uh, Foundation. It's a governmental foundation. BYU, at least in 2017, had at least $10 million in a surplus for their athletic department. Is that money going into a rainy day fund? Can you take one to two to three million and pour it back into the BYU football program? Hire some off the field staffers, particularly in strength and conditioning. Get Alema Fita Simanu, the recruiting coordinator, some full time assistants. He's working with student assistants, by the way. It's absolutely ridiculous that BYU thinks that the, this program can compete on a Power Five level without the resources to hire enough people to compete with those Power Five programs. So, 
let me recap what is going on with BYU right now. The longer we go without formal reports, etc., of BYU coaches moving on or new bodies being hired, etc., the less likely it is that the 10 assistant coaches or the 10 coaches in the BYU football program will be shaken up this year. It'll be the status quo, but responsibilities within those 10 coaches could be changed. Like I said, I don't know if there will formally be announcements of this person is now going to be our defensive coordinator. We have a run game coordinator. I don't know if titles are going to change per se, but I do know that already responsibilities have changed inside the BYU football program when it comes to the coaching staff. And the biggest change, it looks like this offseason, at least what I've been hearing, is that more resources for off-the-field people, I'm talking people in support roles, we're talking director of football operations, recruiting, strength and conditioning, that's where more money should be poured in. You should see some more hires in that regard. Probably won't be formally announced by BYU, but you can just kind of pay attention to it and you'll probably see more and more of that. So there you go. Very enlightening conversation that I had yesterday with a source and I wanted to pass it along to you guys and we'll see what happens I'm interested to see if Kalani Satake ultimately decides to shake up his coaching staff if coaches get opportunities at this upcoming AFCA convention and just ultimately how everything looks come signing day spring ball and on into the, the beginning of the 2020 season we'll have it all covered for you here on Locked on Cougars reminder for you guys Please listen to this whenever you're driving around. You're a captive audience. A lot of you listen to the radio. I've become a big podcast fan. Well, guess what? You can listen to this podcast real easy. You can do it hands-free. All you have to do is tell your smart device, smartphone, smart speaker, whatever you got, play podcast Locked on Cougars, and that way you always stay up to date with all the BYU sports news. We aim to be a pretty short-form podcast, keep you up to date every day. So I encourage you guys, when you get in your car, you're at home killing some time, tell your smart device, play podcast Locked on Cougars. That way you always stay up to date with everything going on in BYU sports news. It's been five years since BYU went to Moraga, California and beat the St. Mary's Gales at McEwen Pavilion. And it's a big opportunity facing BYU tomorrow night when they head out there to Moraga with Mark Pope in his first trip as BYU head coach. He was an assistant coach the last time BYU went out there and won in 2014. Obviously that game, pretty memorable. I remember it very clearly just because of the the pretty famous incident with uh, Eric Meek after the game doing the choke sign, the Reggie Miller choke sign all around the gym. And it was an impressive performance. They trailed by 13 points in that game, rallied to win 60 to 57. Tomorrow night's game, going to be an absolute classic. I feel like it's shaping up to be. St. Mary's a very talented team. Randy, Randy Bennett has built a powerhouse there in Moraga. There's no if, and, or but about it. He's kind of a pain in the butt. That's just my personal opinion. He seems to be a pretty sourpuss individual when it comes to his in-game coaching demeanor, etc. But you can't argue with the results he's gotten there with the St. Mary's Gales. BYU's going to be motivated going into this game. Mark Pope has built a, a solid foundation for his program going forward already this year. His team is very much in the mix for an at-large bid in the NCAA tournament at this point. Might be the best bet for the state of Utah to make the NCAA tournament considering Utah State just lost their third game in a row at a sub-500 Air Force last night. Utah obviously could move up if they can make a run in the Pac-12, but BYU right now sitting as kind of the prime lead dog in terms of a potential NCAA tournament berth this season out of the state of Utah, and that's fantastic to see. Who would have guessed that going into this season? But it's awesome to see nonetheless. 
BYU does need to take care of business, and a big win on the road at St. Mary's tomorrow would very much help bolster them as they begin West Coast Conference play. Granted, they've only played one game, the LMU win so far. Their second game is this showdown with St. Mary's, but if you can go to St. Mary's and win this game, I think it's going to be a big-time result. It's going to look very good on BYU's tournament resume when it comes to March Madness. Well, Mark Pope talked a little bit about that yesterday. I want to get you some of his comments about facing off against St. Mary's, Randy Bennett, his relationship with Coach Bennett. So here you go, Mark Pope after practice yesterday talking BYU basketball. You talked about it on Saturday a little bit, but what has made St. Mary's so successful you think as a program? Well, uh, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's, it's uh, you know, you can't uh, you cannot possibly overstate what Randy Bennett has done right uh, he's uh, as a as a coach there he's instilled a toughness in that program it's just it's it's um in some ways it's unparalleled right and uh, he's got a, a great recruiting niche um, a couple of niches that he's developed that are that have made it really difficult for the rest of us that are trying to recruit in that area and um and he's uh been a really I think, uh, you know, far be it from me to make any judgment on how he coaches, but he's found a lane of basketball philosophy that he believes in and he stayed dedicated to it. And certainly he's grown and made modifications, but he stayed in that lane and it really works and he's really good. He's just good. And they've had great players. They've had great tough players. He's had so many players that roll through there that become more than what you expect them to become. And... Um, He's done it with uh, consistency, and he's he's a freak. And uh, they, have, they, they, you know, this team is no different. Um, they have uh, unbelievable toughness and physicality, and uh, they're a veteran group, um, and they've won at the highest level. And, and uh, you know, they know how to protect their home court, and so. You know, I don't know, somewhere in there is an answer for it. You've taken Cody Feeger with you to two different places. What is it about him that makes you so kind of loyal to him? Well, uh, yeah, so it's probably the opposite. Cody has taken I'm – just, I'm, just, I'm just front man for what Cody actually does. Uh, he, is a, he is an unbelievable coach. Uh, he paid his dues for 10 years, I think, in college basketball before he got his, uh, his first shot at being an assistant coach. And so he was so – beyond ready uh, for that challenge and he is um, he is uh, he knows me really well uh, he knows the few things that I understand about the game he leaves me alone and then all the stupid things I say about the game he corrects me and um, he's uh, he's he's unbelievable I've been lucky to have him uh, you know we've been able to enjoy as a staff in general over the last five years we've been able to enjoy uh, you know a lot of success and, and uh, you know the vast majority of that is due to Cody's contributions what caused Yoli to to leave practice a little bit early today? Um, he, uh, ooh, I'd like to be sarcastic. Sometimes they get, that gets me in more trouble here than it used to get me in trouble. <laughs> sure does. I was going to say something about the bathroom or whatever. Um, I think he just banged the finger, um, so he'll be fine. What's the common thread in these defensive performances that this team has been able to put together over the last month or month and a half? Well, it's always about the players, right? So our guys have been willing to commit. Um, they've been willing to kind of grow in their commitment to to that end of the floor. Uh, you know, I talked about it, you know, bored you guys to death after the game Saturday. 
was it Saturday? Um, just in terms of this group being willing to stay focused on defense, even when the offensive side of the ball was was a little bit dysfunctional in moments for us. And that's just one marker of the commitment that these guys have been willing to make to try and guard. We still have so many things to do. We still got to find a way to rebound the ball better than we have. And, and we're growing, but we got to be better. We still got to handle some issues uh, that we have in ball screen defense. We still got to handle some issues we have in the post. Um, but, but these guys, you know, the reason that we're having some success right now is because these guys are committed to it. St. Mary's played a four overtime game. I know they have a few extra days to get ready for this, but can that affect the team having played that many extra minutes? Yeah, it's going to make them play harder. They're going to be really pissy. I'm not allowed to say pissy. They're going to be really uh, angry, I'm sure. Um, you know, they've had to sit on that for four days, and all that does is prime you. You come into practice, and you know, I'm sure the, their last four days of practice have just been fistfights, right? And I think at St. Mary's, what makes them special is their practices are that way anyway, right? But now you'll have them doubling down on that. And, uh, you know, listen, this team is not, that program has not become what it is because they don't know how to respond to setbacks. I mean, they know how to do it in a resounding way. So um, I don't think they're going to be tired. I don't think they're going to be uh, sad. I don't think they're going to lose any confidence. I think they'll be angry. Which makes it fun. That's what you want, right? We've, we've talked about this league and your admiration for the league, how tough you think it's going to be. Were you almost not surprised by what happened in Stockton and St. Mary's with just kind of the back and forth and the crazy shots and um, what happened out there? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I think if you looked at the team's non-conference schedules and you look at the success they had in the non-conference, you have, you know, you know, we weren't talking a lot about South Carolina, uh, uh, Santa Clara, and Pacific, and and uh, somebody else had an unbelievable record coming in, San Francisco, right? But those teams, you know, you're playing Division One teams and you're winning 12 and 13 games in the non-conference. I'm really jealous. So they're good teams, and. Um, and this, this league is, is a complicated league to find your way through, and it might maybe even more complicated this year than it has been in the past, right? Which is great. I mean, it's good for it's good for us. It's good for our league. It's good for these teams. And, uh, so I, I don't think I was super surprised. I guess I'm always surprised when St. Mary's loses, but but um, not surprised about how competitive this league is. How much do you pay attention to the net ratings this time of year, if at all? Um, I pay attention because uh, if I don't, then I sound like an idiot when you guys ask me a question about it. Um, I don't know. I do think they mean something. Like it gives you a, a sense of where you are right now. But they, they still, still this early in league play, they'll still fluctuate a little bit wildly with wins and losses, and and not even just wins and losses. But uh, you know, if you have a win where you win by a margin less than expected it could actually affect your your rankings uh, significantly so you know it's not the end all be all in terms of grading our success throughout the course of the season but it is one marker that we pay attention to there you go mark pope appreciate him taking the time to talk with the media as always always fun and uh, one thing you probably heard him say there you heard mitch harper ask the question yuli childs left practice earlier early during left practice early yesterday and I saw it as he was walking off he had his index finger and middle finger kind of wrapped together walking off the court with Rob Ramos their head athletic trainer leaving the facility makes you a little bit concerned and he said there was a he banged his finger and he expected he would be okay just based on what I saw with Yuli Childs walking out it looked a little more serious than that and the fact that he was leaving the 
practice facility there, the Marriott Center Annex there where the football, uh, the football, the basketball program is housed at BYU. He was leaving the facility in uniform and made me think they were probably going to get things checked out by a doctor, maybe get some x-rays, etc. You hope all is well with Yoli Childs because you don't want to lose him ahead of a matchup like this, but it is a little bit concerning that he did leave practice early and like I said, left without changing out of his uniform, etc. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. We'll bring you any news we hear with regards to Yoli ahead of the matchup. But a big-time showdown tomorrow night in Moraga, California, 9 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, should be fun. ESPN2, Roxy Bernstein will be on the call. I'm excited for this matchup. Tomorrow on the podcast, I had a one-on-one conversation with Jake Toulson in the lead-up to this game that we'll play on tomorrow's edition of Locked on Cougars. All right, coming up here in a minute, we're going to switch back to BYU football. We're going to go way back in the time machine to 1990. BYU upset number one Miami there in Provo, one of the all-time classic wins in BYU football history. Engineered by the Heisman Trophy winner Ty Detmer, really helped kind of energize his Heisman Trophy chances with that upset. Well, he had a funny story about that win and in the aftermath of it, what he did that he thought he was going to get in trouble for, but ultimately did not get in trouble for. We'll play that next. Before we do that, though, a reminder for you guys, when you guys listen to this podcast, please consider subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Those five-star reviews, particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, really help with sponsorships. They help us get the word out about the podcast. These podcatchers like Apple have algorithms. They see people interacting with those podcasts, putting ratings and reviews on the podcast they're listening to. They're more apt to promote them internally and that in turn helps our sponsorship opportunities. Also helps us build the audience just with people seeing it, then promoting it internally on the podcast providers. So any help you guys can lend in terms of giving us a favorable rating and review very much is appreciated. I thank you guys in advance for doing it. One thing I have always loved about college sports, college football in particular, is that when a team that was the underdog upsets a top-ranked team, the crowd comes streaming out of the stands onto the field to celebrate the win. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I understand all of the logistical concerns with the losing team, etc., heckling fans. I get all that. But just the pure joy and elation that happens when a play like that or a win like that happens is absolutely phenomenal. I wanted to go back in the Wayback Machine way back Wednesday, I guess, edition of Locked on Cougars here. I saw this the other day, and I've been meaning to get to it. It came up actually late last year in December, part of the College Football 150 celebration. ESPN has been doing some cool videos with great upsets, great moments in college football history. Well, in 1990, number one Miami, coming off a national championship, traveled to Provo, Utah. Think about that, having the number one team in Provo, Utah at Lavelle Edwards Stadium to face off against Ty Detmer and the BYU Cougars. Any of you who remember this game remember how epic it was that BYU went and won this game. 28-21 victory. Ty Detmer, 406 yards passing and three touchdowns. Well, in the aftermath of that game, BYU fans were all over. It's one of the biggest crowds in BYU football history. All over the stadium, Ty Detmer worried he was going to get stuck out on the field with the fans as they were streaming onto the field. So he essentially escaped. We'll let him tell the story. My junior year, we were playing number one ranked Miami, and uh, we ended up beating them. Craig Erickson was uh, Heisman, you know, kind of hopeful at the time as as I was. After the game, the crowd rushed the field. It was in Provo, and first time I'd ever kind of been in anything like that. And my first thought was, 
man, I'm going to get caught out here and be the last one to the locker room and Coach Edwards already going to be talking. I better hurry and get in. So I kind of fought my way to the, the railing on the bleachers and shimmied down the railing. I run up into the locker room and I was the only one in there. And <laughs> so I had to wait about five minutes for the first players to start filtering in. And I look back at it now, Coach Edwards probably wouldn't have been real mad at me had I been the last one in. There you go. Thanks to Ty Detmer and ESPN for that video. And kind of funny to hear him I'm going to be in trouble if I don't go back to the locker room. So the guy who just engineered one of the biggest upsets, might be the biggest upset in BYU football history, thinks, crap, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't get back to the locker room, only to make his way to the locker room. I'm sure fans recognized him, were hitting him on the shoulder pads, saying, hey, great game, blah, 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 blah. He gets back to the locker room and realizes, I'm the first one here. What am I doing? I want, I do wonder how much he considered going back out on the field, but he said his teammates eventually showed up, talked with Lavelle Edwards, etc. But just a cool story. I'd never heard that before. I don't know how many of you might have been familiar with it, but I wanted to bring it back around and talk about it a little bit. One of the great upsets in BYU football history, and cool to hear the perspective of the guy who engineered what might be the greatest upset in BYU football ever because they take down the number one team on your home field. That's pretty impressive and anybody who was at that game remembers how epic of a matchup that was and it really helped energize Ty Detmer's eventually winning the Heisman Trophy that year in 1990. All right, so there you go. That is today's edition of the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Like I said, tomorrow, Jake Toulson, BYU senior sharpshooter, kind of guy that's really leading this team along as they just go game by game here, have really put together a nice season for themselves so far. You'll hear from him on the podcast. Obviously get to more comments from you guys throughout the week. We want to do a mailbag segment either tomorrow or Friday, so please send in your comments to our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds at Locked On Cougars. Also, my Twitter, my personal Twitter feed at Jacob C. Hatch. You also can drop the show a note via email, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. It's early in the year, but we are looking for sponsors. If you'd like to be part of the Locked On podcast, have us promote your company, your brand, or your product, please feel free to, re- feel free to reach out as well. I'd love to work with you guys. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. Until tomorrow, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday hump day we're halfway through the work week y'all and this has been locked on cougars for january 8th 2020